Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Progress Wrestling making a return. Another independent star signs with the WWE, and I take you through my predictions for tonight's NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. I'm Jaden Becker. Happy Valentine's Day, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. If you'd like to hear more content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. Yesterday was Impact No Surrender, but before we get into that, let's take a look at our breaking news. Progress Wrestling making a return on Twitter. Progress Wrestling announced that they will be returning with the premiere of Chapter 104 Natural Progression at 3 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. GMT in the UK on Saturday, February 20th. It'll be available on demand. Uh, and also on WWE Network. Their last show was February 23rd, 2020. So it's been almost a year since Progress Wrestling got to put on a show, and the fact that they're able to put one on now is definitely a sense of uh, how well Progress has been able to hold themselves together uh, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic and a ton of tough times that we've all had to live through. But it's great to see Progress Wrestling getting back on their feet and putting on their first show in pretty much a year. Great to see there. And another great thing to see as well, Blake has been working for Impact Wrestling as of recently as last night's No Surrender. And before that, Blake Christian, he was with GCW and had a great time over there. Had a great showing in New Japan Super J Cup. Also had an amazing showing in Impact Super X Cup as well for Impact Genesis. And now I'm super excited to see him under the WWE banner. I can only imagine what he's going to be able to do once he reaches NXT. And from what I've seen from Blake Christian in recent history, his trajectory is only up right now. The mid-card for Impact Wrestling is stacked, and it's still going to be stacked even though they, they lost Blake Christian. But it, you got to remember Impact still has a lot of guys. Losing Blake Christian isn't going to be too big, but it's going to be big for Blake Christian because now he's going to get some real money underneath his belt as well, being under that WWE contract. So great to see that for him, and congratulations from all of us here at the Daily DDT family. Moving on to last night's Impact No Surrender. You were able to watch this on Impact Plus if you have it, and also on uh, Fight TV. You can buy, buy it straight up through Fight as well. They opened the show uh, with Tommy Dreamer, Celebrating his 50th birthday, they cut a nice, uh, long uh, cinematic promo and Tommy Dreamer talking about uh, his career in pro wrestling and honestly a beautiful tribute to a beautiful man. Uh, Tommy Dreamer, happy 50th birthday uh, and congratulations on your amazing career. He will be featured in the main event of Impact No Surrender, uh, which was last night. He was featured in it uh, and against Rich Swan for the Impact World Championship, but moving into the opening match, Triple XL versus Decay and Black Taurus. Triple XL was also paired up with Tanel Dashwood, so it was sort of a mixed tag match. But along with that, it was two males and a female uh, on both sides. For Decay, they had Crazy Steve and Rosemary and Black Taurus uh, coming from Triple A. That match went over as you would expect. Uh, Decay and Black Taurus coming out on top after the green mist from Rosemary blinded 
uh, Tennille Dashwood on the outside, and Black Taurus, no, excuse me, blinded uh, AC on the outside, and Black Taurus connected with the modified Jackhammer for the win. A very solid opener, and uh, great to see uh, Impact be able to start off the show strong, and it was very fast-paced. Uh, I enjoyed it for the match that it was, and I don't think it's going to lead to much in the future either. But what we could see is Black Taurus get a more prominent role in Impact Wrestling as now that he's a member of Decay. That's how they sort of described it. When he came out with Decay, it wasn't Decay and Black Taurus. It was just Decay. So now for him to be officially enshrined in that faction or group, if you will, it's nice to see in Black Taurus going to do something good for himself. Next match, uh, Brian Myers and Hernandez versus Eddie Edwards and Matt Cardona. Great back and forth action early on. Edwards loses the advantage and is dom- dominated on the outside. And they made you wait for Myers and Cardona to encounter. And they made you wait and wait and wait. At one point, they had Hernandez and Edwards in the middle of the ring, both crawling over towards uh, their respective teammates. Hernandez crawling over to Myers, Edwards crawling over towards Cardona, both going for the tag. They both get it at the same time, and then you finally get that encounter. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Cardona is dropped on the exposed turnbuckle and hit with the clothesline named the roster cut by Brian Myers. Brian Myers and Hernandez pick up the victory there. Cardona going out there with the uh, getting flat on his back, getting pinned by Myers. Get definitely going to hear about that on uh, their podcast where they talk about collectibles. Always great stuff from them. But I thought it was a very solid match. I Once again, I really enjoyed the fact that they made you wait to see Myers and Cardona go at it. And not only did they make you wait in a sense where it, would, it just happened towards the end of the match, they really built up towards it throughout the match where there was, it almost happened a couple times, but it took a little bit. It took a little bit. Each and every single time when he finally got there, it was a big payoff. Good job from both of them in that match. Moving on, Diener with Violent by Design versus Jig Something. This was the match I was most looking forward to, uh, maybe second most coming into... No surrender, just because Jake something. Uh, I love what they've done with him. He comes out with his entrance and he looks absolutely fantastic. Well, I mean, he looks absolutely fantastic. He didn't have his vest on and he was stripped down to just his tights and uh, knee pads and he had something on the back of his tights. Uh, the the words I'm not just a, a design. The word something. I want to make sure that's clear. There, I'm gonna say something which is jake something's last name a couple of times now i'm not just saying something to fill a void i'm saying it because it directly involves him himself jake something so he had the word something on the back of his tights and you look at his physique you sometimes you forget when he's behind that vest how great he looks and he looks so great i wrote in my notes here it looks like a man vince would want under contract as well so maybe we saw we saw blake christian go over maybe jig something finds his way over as well but uh right now he has a good thing going in impact and i wouldn't want him to squander that away by moving to another brand but at the start of the match something is in control until young attacks on the outside with the ref's back turn multiple pin attempts back and forth both kick out uh Jake something connects with uh, the black hole slam and wins, beating Diener. And after the match, something is attacked 
and then put through a table by Violent by Design. This is obviously not over in any way, shape, or form. I would have liked to see Diener get the victory here. As I mentioned in my predictions, I, how I thought this would go, I would I would have thought that Diener picks up the victory by an interference by Violent by Design. But it's also nice to see Jake something pick up this victory early on. Let's see where they try and develop it going forward. Jake something, as I said, looks like a great talent and has the physique to be a great talent, and he can definitely be pushed to the moon. I wonder if they're going to implement a steel cage to keep Violent by Design out, or if they continue to use Violent by Design, Jake something ends up going against Eric Young in the future. A couple pay-per-views down the line going to have to get through uh, other members of uh, by Design as well. Moving on, the triple threat revolver match. Trey Miguel, Blake Christian, and Suicide to start. Pretty much how this match worked, it was a triple threat match uh, mixed with a gauntlet. So it starts off as a triple threat. As soon as one person or one member in the match is pinned, they get eliminated, and then another person in the match comes in. So it's pretty much a gauntlet match, but there's three people at a time instead of a a one-on-one. So a, a good idea once I saw it. it. It took me a little bit to understand it. And if you listen to Wednesday's episode, the the way that they tried to describe it on television was very tough for me to understand for what Stryker was saying. But now that I saw it, I understood it and I enjoyed it. Trey Miguel, Blake Christian, and Suicide to Start. Once again, remember Blake Christian, uh, at this point, the news had already came out that he was under contract with the WWE. So probably the last time we will see him in Impact. I don't think he has any more pre-taped stuff uh, on under his belt for impact, so I don't think we're going to see him anymore. Suicide was eliminated by Trey Miguel by submission to start the match, and as I mentioned, it's like a gauntlet match, so Chris Bay enters next. Bay eliminates Blake Christian, so see you in the WWE, and Davari enters. Miguel pins Davari after a nice meteora and enters Josh Alexander. Chris Bay taps out and is eliminated by... Josh Alexander, that was in a ankle lock. Willie Mack enters after Chris Bay walks away. Entered, eliminated by both Alexander and Miguel. So Willie Mack was on his back, and Alexander and Miguel both pinned Willie Mack at the same exact time. Uh, even though Willie Mack lost, building him up saying he's a big guy, you got to need two people to put him down. Ace Austin enters, and now you're down to your final three. Uh, Ace Austin, Josh Alexander, and Miguel, Trey Miguel, down to the final three. Alexander connects with the pile driver onto Ace Austin and picks up the victory. And now is the number one contender for the X Division title. If you look back to yesterday's episode, I predicted Josh Alexander was going to get the victory, and he did here. And I, I think it's a great move, an absolutely great move. Everybody in this match sort of has something going on. You know, Willie Mack is involved in some type of mid-card main event feud issue he had a while back with Moose. Uh, Trey Miguel's definitely going to have something with Sammy Callahan. Blake Christian moved on to the WWE. Suicide is suicide. Uh, Chris Bay needs to be a main event talent as soon as possible. We'll probably see that with Moose or Rich Swan in the future. We already saw Chris Bay and Rich Swan, but I would love to see it again, given how great that match was. And Josh Alexander, he's the only one that really needed this after uh, pretty much splitting ways with, with Paige. So now, Josh Alexander looking for something big. He gets something big and is now going to go for the X Division title. Good on Josh Alexander. 
happy to see him uh, to start some greater things in Impact Wrestling. Moving on to the Knockouts Tag Team Championship match, Fire and Flavor versus Havoc and Nevaeh. I always have a tough time typing and writing down Nevaeh because all you have to envision is your, in your head is heaven backwards, but I always mix up the E's and the A's. I do it to myself every single time, and it bothers me to no end. The Fire and Flavor versus Havoc and Nevaeh match was a Texas Tornado no DQ match. So uh, pretty much a match that you would make on uh, WWE 2K if you don't want to mess with any tags, just to have everyone go at it at the same exact time. That's how, how I always thought of an, a Tornado Tag match to go. So the match moved a little s- slow for me early on, especially for a no-DQ match. For a normal match, it was fine, but for a no-DQ match, it moved a little slow for me. Uh, Havoc ends up driving herself through a steel chair in the corner that she put there herself. A cutter onto a sign and fire and flavor retain the knockouts tag team championship. A fun match to watch, but I think we've seen better no DQ matches in recent history from Impact Wrestling. So uh, I'm not too disappointed by it. And I would have liked to seen Havoc and Nevea get the belts after fire and flavor, but maybe it's not time yet. Uh, curious to see where Fire and Flavor will be taking their belts next and who will they be facing. Uh, next match, TJP versus Rahit Raju with Shira in Rahit Raju's corner for the X Division title. And they kept on mentioning Josh Alexander's name throughout this match, saying the winner in this match is most definitely going to face Josh Alexander. So I guess we're going to have to expect that in the near future. Uh, great match. Uh, actually, I was very, very impressed with this match. And between two talents that we all recognize TJP to be uh, one of the best in ring, no matter if you uh, agree or disagree uh, how much he tweets on Twitter of uh, political events in, in America. I'll leave it at that. And Rahit Raju, uh, another great talent in ring as well. And I think also does a great job on the microphone. Uh, you, you look through this match of Rahit Raju attacks TJP before the bell on the outside. And they, they brawl on the outside for a while and with the two trading blows before they actually get in the ring, and which made me think that this was going to be a short in-ring affair because it lasted pretty long on the outside. But no, it actually had a, a long outside beginning before the match. And then on the inside, great technical wrestling between the two, and I shouldn't expect anything less from either of them because they are great uh, professional wrestlers in their own right. Great back and forth with multiple pin attempts. TJP reverses a triangle into a leg bar, and Raju accidentally attacks Shira in the corner. That distraction leads to the Mamba splash from TJP, and TJP retains the X Division title. So TJP, I think he's going to hold on to it for uh, a little bit, uh, at least up until Josh Alexander gets to face TJP. I think TJP might face Ace Austin before he goes up against uh, Josh Alexander. But I think Josh Alexander most likely will be the next X Division champion coming in the future to lead this mid-card. And funny enough, I'll talk about this later, about Impact Wrestling and how much they need to improve their main event status. But their mid-card is so stacked. So, so stacked. And those mid-carders can bump up to that main event spot, I think, very, very soon. But they got to go through. Uh, Josh Alexander has to go through this patch of uh, facing TJP and build up his legitimacy as a singles competitor after leaving Paige. So I think that would be the best thing for him. Next match, Donna Peraza, Kimberly, and Susan versus Jazz, Jordan Grace, and ODB. A lot of splashing to the outside. 
outside spots in these matches. And not only in this match, but throughout the whole pay-per-view. I haven't talked about it much because it just happened so many times. I finally noticed it towards, what is the sixth match in this in this card? And uh, pretty a lot of matches on this card as well. Uh, there's so many splashes onto the outside. And they're the same spot because of how the way the impact zone, if you will, is, is constructed. They're only allowed to do that diving to the outside spot towards the entrance ramp. And I felt like we saw that almost every single match. We saw that every single time. And the, you know, it's there's so many tag matches in this one, this card as well, that it would be the typical spot where one person splashes onto the outside. And then another person splashes onto to the two people outside. Now there's three people outside and that final person finally comes out on top. I felt like we saw that three times on the on the, the whole card. So they couldn't think of nothing new to do uh, besides doing those 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 dive through the ropes, over the top rope, off the top rope, everything onto the outside. We really saw it a, a, a good amount of times. ODB rips the sleeves off of, off of Susan, and Susan taps out to the FTF, excuse me, the STF by Jazz. Jazz, Grace, and ODB pick up the victory. A tough match to get through. But I was really looking forward to the main events. As I mentioned, there was a lot of matches on this card. And I felt like I was getting stuck in a rut watching it. I was Maybe it was just me building up my anticipation for the, the main events. But at the same time, you know, I was watching Hard to Kill for Impact. I'll compare Impact to Impact. When I was watching Hard to Kill, I felt like every match was building up towards the main events. In this pay-per-view or Impact Special, if you Impact Plus Special, if you will. I felt like I was waiting for the main events. I wasn't getting built up towards it. I was waiting for it. it there was a couple good matches early on: the Jake Somethings and the TJP match, and the uh, Triple Threat Revolver. I thought was fantastic, but I felt like I was there's the filler. We didn't need the Donna Perrazzo, Kimberly Susan match. I really, I don't think we needed that on this card because there was a lot to take in. And, you know, you, they want to fill three hours, but I don't think we needed it in in the card. But they had it in there. Next match, the Good Brothers versus Saban and Storm versus Private Party with Matt Hardy. Yes, Matt Hardy was there. I wasn't sure, but once his picture appeared on the, the graphic for uh, Impact Wrestling this morning, uh, we, we all knew that Matt Hardy was going to be there. Uh, for the Impact Tag Team Championships. I felt like throughout this match, I was waiting for something to wow me. I really wanted something to, to make me jump out of my seat and say, oh, that was awesome, especially with the Good Brothers and Private Party in there. I, I wanted something to really uh, take me for this match, but I feel like I really didn't get it except a few good spots by Private Party midway through. The Good Brothers obviously retained the titles as they should. The way they did it was... Uh, they had Private Party go up to the top rope, hit a splash, and then uh, and what wasn't recognized was by the Private Party was the Good Brothers had tagged the Private Party wa member while he was on the top rope, leading to the splash, and then knocking him out of the ring and getting the pinfall quick. So I, I thought it was a good match. It made Private Party look great. Didn't really need Saban and Storm in this match, but... It might have been necessary so Private Party wouldn't take the pinfall. You don't want to have the AEW guy that's coming over to go out on his back. You don't really want to see that. But you allow the pinfall to go to Saban and Storm 
because it, it protects obviously the Good Brothers win. It protects Private Party, and Saban and Storm take the loss. But they're also involved in the biggest match on the card because of the AW crossover. So it's a win for everybody. But this match also, I feel, didn't need Saban and Storm. Didn't need it. But it might have been necessary. Next match, Rich Swan and Tommy Dreamer. This is the main event. And this is for the Impact World Championship. Uh, the build-up to this match was Rich Swan wanted to give Tommy Dreamer a 50th birthday gift. And that 50, 50th birthday gift was an Impact World Championship shot. And, and that's a, a pretty big gift if you, <laughs> you ask me. You know, getting, giving a, a man a, a championship opportunity. But if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Tommy Dreamer. And uh, I, what I did write, my first note, and it might have ch- my thoughts on it might have changed as the match continued, but decent mat wrestling from the 50-year-old. 50, 50 and that's not a diss. That's not a diss. I wouldn't say that's a diss to Tommy Dreamer. But it, he surprised me. I, for someone at his age, uh, he had... Definitely decent mat wrestling, and I appreciated that because you saw the effort was there. Tommy Dreamer breaks his finger, or appears to break his finger, and I said, ouch, right there in my notes. And then the second part of that note is he pots his finger back in, and I wrote double ouch because that looked like that hurt real bad. Uh, But Swan attacks the finger to gain an advantage through the match. Swan continues to use that dirty tactic all the way through the match. And that's something you usually don't see from Swan that much. And it's maybe should be, should be showing glimpse, glimpses into the future of what Swan could be moving towards. But it makes no sense, especially if it's going to be um, Moose next, who is a true heel. So I don't know what this anti-hero vibe I'm getting from Swan is. But you, know, you don't really want to do that to Tommy Jimmy. That's that's the boy. You know, you, But Swan trying to get every leg up possible... And might have been shown as a sign of respect to Tommy Dreamer. You could take it that way as, oh, he's so good. I sort of have to uh, exploit his injury that he got in the middle of the match so I could win. It might be like a sign of respect in that sense. That's the only way I'm going to be able to beat him. But at the same time, it sort of makes Swan look a little dirty. And that's what bothered me a bit. Dreamer does not give up throughout the whole match, especially towards the back end of the match. A uh, great effort from him even do a slight uh Shawn Michaels to Ric Flair spot where Swan is speaking to Dreamer while Dreamer is trying to stand up Swan going for the strong kick while Dreamer is on his knees but instead of just lying there on his back Dreamer decides to fight back as well but at the end of the match Swan connects with the Phoenix Splash and wins I thought it was a cute match uh it was a little clunky towards the end but for a match that went, I believe, probably went around 20 minutes, uh, it, it was it was nice. And uh, it was a good treat for Tommy Dreamer. You know, if this was the end of a, a $40 pay-per-view, I would have been pretty upset. But for something that was on Impact Plus, uh, I'll take it off the chin and, and move on. But what really made me appreciate it was Moose coming out at the end of the match after the bell rang. Moose attacking Dreamer and Swan. Moose was barred from going into the match while it was going on or else he would have been suspended and ended up going after the match so he wouldn't have reaped those repercussions but uh, ends up attacking Swan and holding up both the Impact World Championship and the TNA Championship that he carries around. So at the end of the pay-per-view, Moose stands tall 
And uh, that's what matters to me because I'm a big fan of Moose. I really think he needs that Impact World Championship wrapped around his waist for everything he did at Hard to Kill. I said this in the last episode, uh, and I said this in the episode where I talked about what Impact Wrestling needs to do to be at the level of WWE and AEW. And I mentioned Moose because of what he did at Hard to Kill. He made a show that was supposed to be about Kenny Omega and AEW and made it about himself, not in a bad way, but in a way where he wasn't even supposed to be in the pay-per-view and had to be put in there because of COVID reasons and found himself an opportunity and he took it and took it to the moon. And I appreciate Moose for that, for stepping up to the occasion when Impact needed him most. And I think that he deserves the belt to be put on him. Uh, in the next time uh, Moose and Rich Swan face off. And I hope that comes soon, very, very soon. And we need that belt on Moose as soon as possible. For the final grade of this pay-per-view, oh boy, I think I'm going to have to go with a C-. And I'm happy with a C- because I don't want to give it a D. I feel like that would be too harsh, especially for the good matches that were on this card. But the main events... The co-main events didn't do much for me. They didn't wow me. What ma- wowed me was the mid-card. And this mid-card is absolutely fantastic. The Brian Alvarez and Matt Cardona tag team match was great. Cody Diener and Jake Something. That was great. The Triple Threat Revolver match was great. TJP versus Rohit Raju was great. And everything else was sort of meh. Everything else sort of left me wanting more, especially the main event, which was what we pay for. I, you know, I, I get these pay-per-views not only to cover it, but to enjoy it. And what I, I enjoyed the mid-card more than I enjoyed the main event. I was expecting more from the Good Brothers match. I couldn't say I was expecting more from the Rich Swan-Tommy Dreamer match because you sort of know what you're going to get with a Tommy Dreamer match in this day and age. Even though it was a good Tommy Dreamer match with Rich Swan. Uh, I, I couldn't say I was expecting to blow my mind away. You know, it wasn't something that was going to blow, blow me away out of my seat. But I, I could have gotten that from the Good Brothers match, I felt, because the star power is there, especially with Private Party and Matt Hardy as well. So I'm going to give this a C-, and hopefully we see some Im- improvement from Impact Wrestling soon because we've seen them at their best point, and at that best point, probably in recent history, was hard to kill during this AEW partnership, and we need to see more reasons why AEW fans want to watch Impact Wrestling other than, other than the AEW stars. And I think they might have been able to find that in the mid-card, but not a lot of people are going to stay for the mid-card. They're going to stay for the main event. And we need to see some better main events out of Impact Wrestling. Not not a diss towards them, but a critique that I hope catches the ears of Impact Wrestling because uh, they have a ton of potential in the world, and they need to be able to capitalize that. All right, we're going to take a break, but after that, I'm going to go through my predictions for NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. Definitely going to be a fun one. I had a, a good amount right for uh, the No Surrender. So tonight's uh, NXT TakeOver, maybe you definitely should call your bookies now. How about that? Give them a call now because I'm going through my predictions. All right, stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling, February 14th, 1999, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in your house pay-per-view. That pay-per-view included Mankind and The Rock fighting in a last man standing match for the WWF championship 
Both men hit each other with a chair, and that match ended with neither men being able to reach the referee's 10 count. And the biggest match out of that night was the main event, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon in a steel cage where the infamous spot, or the famous spot, if you will, where McMahon went through the announcer's table spine first and it wasn't like it was a clean bump through the table he caught the edge of it so he bounced on the announcer's table and then went through it it was a really really tough watch looking back on it i had a, i went through the network and i saw it again i was like oh that's that's not a you know and especially a man that that doesn't take bumps for a living he runs the wwf for a living at the time and still does but that's not a man that takes bumps every day so for a person to do that, that looked pretty bad. Also as well, that was uh, the Big Shoes WWF debut coming through the ring uh, of the steel cage, coming through it and attacking uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So big night for the WWF and also mentioned in yesterday's episode to get a DVD copy of that pay-per-view and give it to your significant other. If you ended up doing that, please let me know. Hit me up, Twitter, Jaden Becker TV, Instagram, Jaden Becker TV, same thing. And uh, I need to see it. You get an instant shout out. Instant, instant, instant for free. Don't even worry about it because if you did that, I would uh, I would freak out. I think that would be hilarious. In February 14th, 2011, The Rock returned to the WWE. This was his first time appearing on WWE television since 2004. When his contract expired, he announced himself as the host and star of WrestleMania 27. And the rest is history with The Rock taking on John Cena in not one but two once-in-a-lifetime matches at WrestleMania 28 and 29. And The Rock should be making his return to face Roman Reigns. I don't want to say making his return soon because I don't want it to be soon. I want Roman Reigns to be built up so much where the only person that he can face that makes sense, would be The Rock. So who is the real tribal chief? Who is the people's chief? Maybe that would be a good way to twist it uh, if you're the WWE. And you, I want to see that match when there's a full stadium of people. I don't want to see that in front of the Thunderdome, even though I think the Thunderdome is great for what it is in COVID times. I want to see that in front of a full packed stadium of people, hopefully at AT&T, and if not, in SoFi Stadium for for WrestleMania Hollywood. I think that would be the best place to do it at Hollywood because you're talking about The Rock, but that's two years away. So are, am I willing to wait two years for the sake of long-term storytelling? Maybe I am. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is the thing you wait for. But uh, us wrestling fans are impatient sometimes, and I'll take it next year at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. Only if it's a full stadium, not 50%, not 75%, 100% capacity. I, I, I want everyone there. Hopefully, we're all past this global pan- pandemic by then. Hopefully. And uh, if not, then WrestleMania Hollywood, two years from now, that would be fantastic. But looking to tonight, we're going to look at some NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, and I'm going to give you my predictions, and we're going to start things off hot for the Men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament final match. MSK versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. And I think you have to go MSK here. The Grizzled Young Veterans won the Dusty Cup last year. And I think bringing back the Dusty Cup 
I think that specifically was meant for NSK. Specifically meant for them. They wouldn't have brought back the Dusty Cup if it wasn't for MSK. And I think pushing them in this and bringing them in also in such a time, in such a manner, it, all the stars align perfectly. And to put them at the top, I think that's that's for the best. Let them come out of here with the victory. There's no reason for the Grizzly Young Veterans to win the Cup twice. They already won it. So in a sense of retaining it, I guess that's cool. But it's not like they carry it around. You know, it's just something you remember. Oh, the Grizzly Young veter Veterans won that won it that year. But no, if MSK wins, it's going to be a better push. And it's going to push them... Uh, a lot harder than it would help the Grizzly Young Veterans, especially for the MSK just making their, their waves in WWE NXT. They've made waves in other places, obviously, but now let, let them make their big splash here in the WWE. For the Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament Final Match, you got Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. And without a shadow of a doubt, it must be... Without a doubt, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, they must, I repeat, must win this match for the sake of the WWE Women's Tag Team Division. The winner of this match gets a WWE Women's Tag Team Championship title match. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez make sense because they have been a legitimate tag team before this tournament, and will be after it, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, yes, they competed together at War Games, but doesn't make them a legitimate tag team in my eyes. They are still two singles competitors that are working their way through the Dusty Cup. Respect to them, they're doing a great job, but Dakota Kai and Ra Raquel Gonzalez are the true tag team in this situation. And I think it would do nothing but help the women's tag team division, given that there are barely no women's tag teams at the moment. Besides the Riot Squad, who can't do anything. They don't get pushed for any whatever reason. You also have Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, who are the champions at the moment. And then who else do you have? Lana and Naomi, are they even a tag team? I wish I had the Iconics back. You have Natalia and Tamina. But what have they done recently, besides watch the match backstage... I want legitimate competitors for this women's tag team championship because it's starting to look illegitimate given that there's no one to compete for it. Put Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez and maybe even put the belts on them for all I care. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, I would love to see because also both of them I would love to see in the main roster as well. I think they deserve it. I think they deserve it. Next match, NXT North American Championship. Johnny Gargano, the champion, will be taking on Kushida. And I've, I've heard a lot of talk about Kushida. A lot of talk. Even a lot of people in Daily DDT. The writers, there's one article that came out saying that Kushida should win over Johnny Gargano. Should be the one to come out on top. The New Japan Pro Wrestling boy. Should be the one to win. But I'm going to give it to Johnny Gargano. Because I don't think Kushida should be the one to take the belt off of Gargano. I think that belongs to Dexter Loomis. I think he should be the one to get that push. Nothing against Kushida. I'm a big fan of Gargano right now. I'm a big fan of Kushida as well, but I'm a 
the biggest fan of Dexter Loomis at the moment. I give a lot of respect to Kushida for what he's doing right now, but I felt like it was a little rushed to get him into the title picture, even though that he does have a pinfall over Gargano. It was a little rushed. If they built a little bit longer, I would have felt a little bit more legitimate about it. It maybe would have swayed me either way. If the belt does go to Kushida, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but I feel like it needs to be on Loomis real soon. Real, real soon. Because Loomis is good. Really, really good. Great on television. A great aesthetic. Great gimmick. And everything he did with New Year's Evil put him over the top with me. I really think he deserves the belt on him at the moment. But... If Kushida gets the belt put on him, I won't be too upset, but I think he it would help Loomis out the most if he takes it off Gargano and not Kushida. For the NXT Women's Championship, a triple threat match, Io Shirai versus Mercedes Martinez and uh, versus Tony Storm. Io Shirai is going to win this match. I will be absolutely shocked if either Mercedes Martinez or Tony Storm come out with the NXT Women's Championship. Io Shirai was able to take down Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley in a triple threat match to win the NXT Women's Championship. There's no reason why she'd be losing it to Martinez or Storm at this point. Uh, I need to see a legitimate, legitimate competitor for the NXT Women's Championship before I even blink an eye at Io Shirai dropping that belt in any way, shape, or form. Now moving to the main event. The NXT Championship match, Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne. And I'm still flipping it in my head. I I have what I wrote uh, earlier today who I think is going to win. But I think you can flip a coin and whatever you land on, heads or tails, that, that's going to be your guy for this match. Finn Balor, I think he's obviously phenomenal. Phenomenal Edge said it himself that he is working at a different level from everybody else. Finn Balor is is one of those guys right now in professional wrestling where you can put him in the top 10 list of the best competitors right now in all of professional wrestling and people wouldn't blink an eye. Pete Dunne, he is working his way up. He waited his turn to get a shot at the NXT Championship and now he's finally there. He looks great. I love his in-ring work. Both guys coming from NXT UK. It's a match made in heaven for me. It's going to be really tough for me to say no to Pete Dunne and say yes to Finn Balor, but I'm going to do it here as the safe choice. But I don't think there really is any safe choices in this match. Uh, I'm going to say Finn Balor wins this one, but if Pete Dunne wins it, I'm going to be mad at myself for not picking Pete Dunne because he's one of my favorite guys right now. But I'm going to see Finn Balor and give him uh, the benefit of the doubt for winning the NXT Championship match. This card, not a lot of matches on this card, at least that was announced. I believe only five compared to what we just watched for No Surrender. Oh boy, nine matches or something like that, it felt like, running through. But uh, I'm happy with five, to be honest with you. Especially if Finn Balor and Pete Dunne go for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I know they can do it. They're two guys that definitely can go for a 45-minute match. And if we saw that, oh boy, we're talking about... We're going to have to call up Dave. Call up call up Mr. Meltzer, see what he says. But maybe I shouldn't say his name too much when I'm coming, when I'm wanting him coming to me. So next episode, we're going to go through tonight's NXT Vengeance Day. We're going to see what happened and give my thoughts on it. 
and also going to uh, talk about Monday Night Raw and uh, what they have going forward as well. Uh, Raw, in the future, they're going to have a gauntlet match, including uh, the members that are in the Raw Elimination Chamber, uh, winners of the elimination, excuse me, the winner of the gauntlet match will be last in the elimination chamber. So that's fun to see. And Miss TV with uh, Drew McIntyre. That's also uh, nice to see as well. Miss TV, I always think he does a great job promo work. And, you know, one of the top, I know people laugh at me when I say this, but one of the top heels on the microphone in the company at the moment. His, his skill on the microphone is really next level. Uh, you know, some people knock him for his quote unquote, his, his cultural references. They're a little, I wouldn't call him dated, but he doesn't fit him in the right way. doesn't feel natural. I get that. But when it comes to being impassioned, Miz does that at a level that I don't think anybody can in the WWE at the moment. Well, that's all for me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. If you like content like this, check out our writers at Daily DDT. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.